Saluton kaj bonvenon a la tekvina episodo de la podcasto de Radio Omniglot. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Radio Omniglot podcast. Mi nomijas Simon Eger kaj en tiu episodo mi parolos pri la lingua internacia au esperanto. My name is Simon Eger and in this episode I will talk about the international language or esperanto. Incidentally, the tune you heard at the beginning of this episode is known as La Espero, or The Hope. It is a poem written by Elel Zamenhof, the creator of Esperanto, and put to music by Felicia Menil de Menil in 1909, and it has become the hymn or anthem of the Esperanto movement. You can hear it with words on YouTube. I've put a video on the show notes at omnidot.com slash radio where you can find notes on this episode and others of this podcast. You can leave comments and suggestions and find out more about the things I'm talking about. First, I'll talk a bit about the history of the language. Esperanto was invented, constructed or created, however you prefer, by a gentleman known as Ludovic Lazarus Zamenhof, or L.L. Zamenhof. That's the English version of his name. It has different versions in other languages who lived between 1859 and 1917. He is usually described as a Polish-Jewish ophthalmologist or eye doctor, and he lived in a town called something like Białystok. I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce it, but at the time, back in the 19th century, it was part of the Russian Empire, and it is now part of Poland. He was a native speaker of Yiddish and Russian, and also spoke German, French, Hebrew, Polish, Belarusian, and studied Latin, Greek, Italian, Aramaic, English, and Volopuk which was another international auxiliary language, which was invented before Esperanto. So while he was at school, back in 1873, he started trying to construct his own language. And he had the idea that if there was an easy-to-learn international auxiliary language, it could be used as a tool to enable neutral, fair and equitable communication. And this might lessen conflicts and misunderstandings between people because he grew up in a town where there were people who spoke many different languages and different religions, and there was conflict between them. And he thought if they could understand each other better and had this neutral international language, then maybe there would be less conflict, more cooperation and understanding between them. At first, the language he created had a very complex grammar. And later, after he started studying English, he decided to try and make the grammar simpler. And after he left school, he continued working on his language. He went to university. In 1887, he published a book about his language, which he called La Lingua Internacia, or the International Language. He published in Russian, and the book was later translated into quite a few other languages. In Esperanto, it's known as La Unua Libro, the first book. And he published under the pseudonym Noctoro Esperanto, Dr. Hopeful. A few years later, people were using Esperanto as the name of the language, rather than La Lingua Internacia. In 1905, Zellenhoff published another book about Esperanto called La Fundamento de Esperanto, The Foundation of Esperanto. It was based on his earlier book and included a lot of material from the earlier book, but it was expanded and there were some changes to the language. This became the official authority for Esperanto, and also that year, he organized the first World Esperanto Congress, Universale Congresso di Esperanto, in Bologna, sur mer in northern France. And since then, a World Esperanto Con- Congress has been held every year, except during the two world wars, in different parts of the world. 
The 104th Universale Congresso was held in March 2019 in Lahti in Finland, and the next will be in Montreal in Canada in 2020. Zamenhof also published quite a few translations of books in Esperanto, and translated them for various languages. Since then, quite a few people have learnt the language, different times and different places. In Germany, during the Second World War, Esperanto speakers were persecuted because Zamenhof was Jewish. In the early years of the Soviet Union, Esperanto had some government support, and the Soviet Esperanto Association was officially recognised. But in 1937, Stalin denounced Esperanto as the language of spies, and Esperantists were exiled or even executed in some cases, and the language was effectively banned until 1956. One reason why he objected to the language was because it encouraged contacts with foreigners and it was popular among Jews and trade unionists. In Italy under Mussolini, Esperanto was used to promote tourism, but in Portugal, under the right-wing government, there was a crackdown on the language in 1936 until 1974. Esperanto was popular among anarchists and Catalan nationalists in Spain, and as a result, there were crackdowns on it, but by the 1950s it was being tolerated again. In spite of all this, quite a few people all around the world have learnt Esperanto. In recent years, the number of Esperanto speakers has increased, as it has become easier to learn the language and to find people to speak it with, thanks to the internet and apps and meetups and such like. There are currently, according to the Universal Esperanto Association, or the Universale Esperanto Asocio, Esperanto speakers in about 120 countries around the world, and Esperanto associations in 70 of those countries. The associations organise regular meetups for people to speak the language and to use it in various ways. They organise big congressoi, conferences or congresses, and there are events around the world for Esperanto speakers. The number of speakers is not known. Estimates range from 63,000 to several million, and there are possibly a thousand or so people who have grown up speaking Esperanto as one of their mother tongues. Often these are people whose parents met at an Esperanto event, so they have a, a common interest in the language and they decided to raise their children speaking the language. Many books have been written in Esperanto, original works and translations from other languages, People write songs and poems and stories, and they've made films and videos and podcasts, and a culture and speech community have grown up around the language. There are significant numbers of Esperanto speakers in Japan, China, France, Germany, Italy, Poland, the USA, Brazil, Belgium, and the UK, and in many other countries. It's possible to travel the world, staying with Esperanto speakers, speaking Esperanto, they have a thing called Passporto Servo, which is a bit like an early form of couchsurfing. It gives you names and addresses and contact details of people around the world who speak Esperanto and who are willing to meet other Esperanto speakers or Esperantist, Esperantistoi and to give them accommodation or to show them around their, their town or city or wherever they live. And now let's have a little look at the language itself. Esperanto is written with a version of the Latin alphabet with a few extra letters which are C, G, H, J, and S with circumflex, which looks like a little hat, and a U with a breathe, which is a kind of, kind of semicircle sitting on top of it. The alphabet in order is A, B, T, C, T, E, F, G, H, H, 
i yo jo ko lo mo no o po ro so sho to u wo vo zo all letters are pronounced and the stress always falls on the penultimate or second to last syllable of a word Zamenhof recommended that the vowels be pronounced like Italian, something like a, e, i, o, u. But most Esperanto speakers will use the nearest equivalent from their own mother tongue, so they have different accents, but even so they can understand each other pretty well. The accented letters are sometimes replaced with digraphs, two letters, when it's not possible to type them. They may be written chgh and so on, or CXGX, or with an apostrophe. Zamenhof apparently preferred the H spelling. These days it's easier to write in Esperanto, because keyboards support all these different letters. The basic word order of Esperanto is subject, verb, object. For example, mi vidas vin means I see you. Mi is I, doing the seeing, and vin is you, in the accusative case being seen. So you are the direct object and you take the ending N. That's the only case used in Esperanto, which is a lot simpler than languages like Polish, which have eight cases. But even so, some people learning Esperanto or criticizing Esperanto say, oh, the accusative case is not really necessary. It's also used in greetings. For example, bonan matenon is good morning, which has the accusative ending. And I think that's because it's seen as a phrase, I wish you a good morning. Similarly, forever greetings, like Bonan Tagon, good day, Bonan Vesperon, good evening, Bonan Nocton, good night, and Saluton, hello, or hi. The accusative ending is also used to indicate movement towards somewhere. For example, Mi iras hemen means I'm going home. Heme means at home, hemo means home, and hemen means to home. You might also say, I'm going to the house, which could also mean I'm going home. Domo is a house, and domon means to the house. So nouns always end in O, and are made plural by adding a J, which is pronounced Y. So domo is house, domoi is houses. Libro is a book, or book. Libroi is books. There's no indefinite article, but there is a definite article, which is la in all cases, just like the in English. For example, la viro, the man, la viroi, the men, la virino, the woman, la virinoi, the women. Adjectives end in a. For example, bona, good, rapida, fast, granda, big. Personal pronouns are pretty straightforward. Me is I. V is you, both singular and plural. There's no distinction between them. Li is he, she is she, G is it, ni is we, and ili is they. And to make them possessive, my, your, his, her, etc., you just add a, mia, via, lia, shia, and so on. Verbs have endings that indicate tense or mood, but they don't change for person or number. Or in other words, the endings indicate when something is happening, whether it's now, in the past, or the future, or it's hypothetical, but they don't change depending on who is doing something or how many people are doing something. So, for example, mi parolas, I am talking, I talk. Mi parolis, I talked, I was talking. 
mi parolos. I will talk. I will be talking. Mi parolos. I would talk. Parolo. Talk. Mi volus paroli. I would like to speak. These endings are the same for all verbs. There are no irregular verbs. Adjectives end in A. For example, bona is good. Granda is big. And rapida is fast or quick. And then you can make the opposite of these words by adding the suffix mal. Malbona, bad. Malgranda, small. Malrapida, slow. Numbers are pretty straightforward. 1 to 10 is 1, 2, 3, 2, 3, 6, 7, 8, 9, 100 is cent, 1000 is mil, and a million is miliono. Other numbers are made by combining these together. For example, 11 to 20 is dec 1, dec 2, dec 3, dec 4, dec 5, dec 6, dec 7, dec 8, dec 9, du dec. Then 21, du dec 1, 22, du dec 2, and so on. You can make them into ordinal numbers by adding A on the end. Unua, first, dua, second, tria, third. One interesting and slightly confusing aspect of Esperanto is the question and correlative words. So, for example, Q is which one or who, Tiu is that one, Iu is someone or somebody, Neniu is no one or nobody, and Chiu is each one or everybody. And all the other question words take a similar form. Kio, what, Tio, that, Io, something, Nenio, nothing, Chio, everything. Kia, what kind of, Kie, where, Kiel, in what way, how, Kiel, for what reason, why, Kiam, at what time, when, Kiom, what quantity, how much, how many, Kies, which one, whose. So we know how to say there and that and such like, but how do you say here and this? Well, you use the same words, but you put Chi next to them. This one, this person, is Chitiu or Tiuchi. This thing is chitio or tiochi. Here is chitie or tiechi. And because these words are all quite similar, they're all short and only differ in their endings, I get them mixed up. I don't know if any of our Esperantists do so as well. Perhaps I just don't use the language enough to be completely familiar with it. There is also a question particle, ku, and you find that also in Polish. So if you want to make a statement into a question, and you don't want to use a question word, you can use ciu. For example, ciu vi paroles esperanton? Do you speak esperanto? Ciu vi comprenas min? Do you understand me? I already mentioned the prefix mal, which makes a word into the opposite. Granda big, mal granda small. And there's a number of other prefixes and suffixes, which can be added to words to indicate various things. For example... Viro is a man, virino is a woman, so the in is a feminine suffix. For example, patro is father, patrino is mother, onclo is uncle, onclino is aunt. So patro is father, patroi fathers, ge patroi, both father and mother, or parents. The ge means both sexes together. E.g. egg indicates great size, intense degree. For example, domo is a house, domego is a mansion or a large house. Varma means hot, varmega means very hot, and the opposite is et, et, which indicates smallness or small degree. Dometto 
is a small house or cottage. Varmetto means tepid. Blua is blue. Bluetta is bluish. And a similar one is id, which means offspring. Cato is cat. Catido is kitten. Hundo is dog. Hundido is puppy. Another example is a, which means a place or site. For example, Lerneo, a place to learn, a school. Hundeo, a place for a dog, a dog kennel. Malsanudeo, a place for unhealthy people or hospital. And each of these suffixes that I mentioned and some others can be used as independent words. Eo on its own means field, place or site. Ido on its own means child, descendant or offspring. And is also the name of one of the descendants of Esperanto. Because after Esperanto was invented, a number of people decided that they thought they could make a better version of it. And none of the other versions really caught on. But one of them is called Ido. And it's seen as a reformed version of Esperanto. But not many people speak it or know about it. And then Ilo is another one I have mentioned. But it means tool or instrument. For example, tranchilo is a tool for cutting things. Tranchi or a knife. And then the feminine suffix in on its own ino means female or feminine. And now it's time for a tune, I think. This is Mumpui Pothaiswe, or the Menai Bridge Fancy. It's a tune I wrote in February 2019, initially on the harp and piano, but this arrangement I made for four recorders. <laughs> I've discovered happens at Esperanto gatherings is people sing and dance to an Esperanto version of La Bamba when they dance in a circle and then people take it in turns to dance in the middle of the circle and when they've had enough they go and kiss somebody on the outside who takes their place. If you want to learn Esperanto there are courses you can learn Esperanto on Duolingo, on Memrise and other platforms. A very good site for learning is lerno.net you can also find information about Esperanto and Omnigot, of course. And you can find notes on this episode and other episodes on omnigot.com slash radio. You can leave your comments there. If you have learned Esperanto, or you're planning to, or you use it in any way, and you'd like to tell me about that and share your experiences, then please leave a comment there. I hope you found this interesting and informative, and you may have learned something from this. Please tell your friends about this podcast, share it, like it. Maybe even, if you're feeling very generous, you could give a little donation to help support this podcast and my website. You can find donation buttons on the podcast page and on the main omnigot.com page. Thank you for listening, and goodbye.